Thank you for checking out the Missio Day Humble Park podcast and joining us as we join God as He makes all things new. We are excited to pursue His heart for the greatest city on earth in the center of the city. We've been just talking about. No place like home. There's no place like home. Dorothy trying to get home. That story was written on that corner right there on uh, Humble Park in Wabanzia you know, a long time ago by uh, Frank L. Baum. One of the most beloved stories. But I think it really does show our need for home, for a place where we can rest our hearts. Yes, we can rest our feet. We, you know, do that sort of thing. Think of Thanksgiving, where you're like, you really can relax. You're at your mom's house, family is around. You can kind of hang out, put your feet up. You don't have to worry about anybody, you know what I'm saying, doing something crazy to you if you fall asleep. That's when you really know you're at home, right? <laughs> Thanks, sir. Well, you know somebody is not going to like, uh, you know, try to tickle your nose or something when you're asleep. We, our heart is always searching for home. And we can be very restless people. The heart is like moving throughout the earth. It says in um, Second Chronicles that God, God's eyes search the earth to and fro, looking for those whose hearts are turned towards him, right? Our heart is a restless thing. It's just always moving around, looking for a place to be at home. And I believe that in community, in church, is where we find our heart finds a home. And so as we've gone through about 10 parts of the series and many others have preached about, um, about the beauty of courage, about the beauty of humility, about the beauty of friendship, and then last week, the beauty of passion, and what better way to end off a series about home than love, you know? That love is where we, we find it, our heart finds it at home. We love to be loved, people know us, they know the particular things we like, they know uh, us deeply and intimately, and this is the way we all desire to be known in our hearts, in our deepest parts, but then there are things that are like just, that are fighting against that. Mainly it is life. What? Yes, life is fighting against our need to love, because life can't help but disappoint us. Life can't help but let us down. Life can't help but help us walk through these painful things and we want to protect ourselves from every bit of pain necessary. But you know what that protection does? It also ends our ability to feel love and to be loved. And that's one of the reasons I love Jesus so much. There's no greater paradigm than love, of love, than a God, the God, sending his only son to die for us. I have never heard of a more mind-blowing paradigm for what love is. That the Greek and Roman pantheon of gods would traditionally turn their backs to us and demand tribute and demand all these things and demand our obedience in so many different ways. But you have God who comes down and he moved into the neighborhood with us, incarnated amongst us. There is no greater thing than love as an artist and a poet I could talk about love forever. It's just amazing, you know what I'm saying? I used to write my wife poems and, you know, do all that kind of stuff. And now, you know, just make up poetry. I'm just a romantic, ultimately. 
And I believe God is too. So much so that he's attempting to woo us over and over again. God is not in a court of law attempting to win our hearts by suing us. He is trying to woo us, not sue us. <laughs> He's trying to write us this long love letter and say, see how so many times throughout history I have shown up and shown you my love and my faithfulness and my steadfastness. The sun is coming up every day. The sun is setting every day. The birds are singing, especially in Chicago. They don't even care this winter. They're going to sing. The birds are singing every day. God in his faithfulness, love, and, and steadfastness. And he's shown us that through Christ Jesus. Last week we talked about passion and how in order for us to find our passion, we have to abide in Jesus who is the vine. And if we abide in Jesus, right? He is the branch, we are branches, then we should be out on a limb. And I think about that kind of safety and that kind of growth that God wants us to have. He is not inviting us from the limb to safety. He's inviting us from a limb to a limb to a limb. This I experience with this whole process of buying his home. Right? We're buying his home, we go to one lender. One lender after three weeks says no. Okay, all right, God, your, our, your promises are true. You said that we're supposed to have a home. Okay, all right, right. Let's try this other lender. Other lender. Three weeks, they say no. Now we have one week to do what the other two lenders couldn't do in six. And I'm like, you know, I'm preaching about this stuff, but it's way different when you got to walk out. And your kids are like, Daddy, where are we moving? How is it going to work? And we can't give them the word like it's done because we haven't had any funding yet. And I have to say, just trust. Our our kids is gathering. We're going to pray. This stuff works. I'm not just saying this as a hyperbolic statement that we love to talk about. I'm telling you that when you take the Lord to the bank, you leave with what you need. But we are we we are so like we, we trust ourselves so much more than we trust God. We trust our ability to just make it happen. And yes, we have to give this to the Lord. But he loves us so much that he's given us a process that ultimately wants to stretch us. And if I don't know I'm loved and if I don't know that God loves me, I will be in doubt every single day, every single step that I take. I don't know. It's kind of a question. Does God love me? It it doesn't seem like it, it is in this situation. But he is stretching us. And through all of this, he's telling me, he's like, you were built for this. You, you got this. And I'm telling you, it's. I, I, I gotta stop saying it's the hardest thing I've ever done because then it's like the next one. This is the hardest thing I've ever done. I just feel like something happened during the pandemic where people were just, everything just becomes more difficult. It's like even the most simple thing. It's like, okay, I'm going to renew my license. They're like, uh, you need to hike up this mountain. You need to uh, uh, go buy a car. And you're like, what? This used to be easy. But sometimes that's us being nostalgic and remembering that everything in the past was better than it is now. You know what I'm saying? I used to buy a record for 15 cents. <laughs> Everything in the past, you know, when we're nostalgic, seems so much easier. But truth of the matter is, you learn that when you're walking with God, there is nothing that man can put in front of you. There's nothing that they can tell you about who you are 
When you know you are loved, you are accepted. And that is our call in community, to reflect that to each other and for each other. You are loved, you are accepted. There is nothing that I want to do in my heart, nothing I have in my heart to reject you. I want you to feel accepted and loved because there is enough rejection out there for everybody. People love to tell you no. You know what I'm saying? You ever go to you know, I'm talking about the DMV a lot today. You ever go to the DMV and they tell you you don't have the right forms and they like seem to like it? And I'm like, this seems like a psychological thing. And then I went to Lowe's and asked the lady for something and she said they didn't have it. Then I'm leaving and I hear her telling somebody, you know, I really like when I tell people we don't have something. <laughs> she said, I don't know. She didn't know I was listening. I'm like, see, I always knew it. That it's something about that, like, telling people that, and we live in a world where people are not trying to always do us favors. They're not always, you know, and me and I'm always like, this is a black Going on. I got three lenders going on. It's crazy. Uh, and realtor and uh, our attorney's like, we've never heard of this before. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. But I'm telling you, through this whole process, I'm holding on to God gave us a promise that we would have a home. And this has been not just a process that's been six weeks or seven weeks. It's been a year and a half since we were in Tulsa trying to make it happen. We were trying to find a house. We couldn't find a house to rent. We were trying to buy a house. We couldn't find a house to buy. We are like, this feels too hard. What's going on? We felt like we were supposed to come back to Chicago with all five of our kids, and we're here. We find a place to rent easily, and then we have all this history of a year and a half attempting to be faithful in this promise that God has given us. We've owned a home before, um, but it hasn't been about five years or so. And you're just walking and going like, I think I'm loved. Like, I mean, I think he's like calling me forward. Um, and this is what we have is faith. Now, imagine being in a place where you don't have faith to help you forward in the dark. Like, this is what we're talking about. People are doing out here. I know it seems like they're living their best life. They're at Parsons, you know what I'm saying? Their feet are kicked up. You know, they got the... They're at Bang Bang Pie or whatever, you know, they're hanging out. You're like, man, they got everything together. They, we all have dark to fill through. Now imagine doing that without faith. Imagine doing that without Jesus, attempting to manage all this anxiety and all this angst that the world has. And there's something about us coming together where we begin to encourage each other and we can be encouraged by each other in love. It's a very simple thing that the world really has to understand. All right, I'm going to do something I've never done before. Does anybody want to come read a verse right now? Let's see if anybody else wants to read that. You just did worship, you know what I'm saying? I can wait, I can wait. Come on, come on. I know God is tugging on somebody's heart. I wasn't going to do this. It's, it's an easy verse. It doesn't have a lot of hard words to pronounce. So who's going to step out? Oh, here he comes. Let's give it up for David. So we started last week talking about the beauty of passion in John 15. So we're going to read um, John 15 and 1 through... Except one verse. Oh, okay. John... 
passage. John 15 and 1 through John 15 and through John 15, 13. So 1 to 13. You ready? Okay. I'm the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the world I have spoken to you. And you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. But this, my Father, is by this my Father is glorified, that you may bear much fruit, so that you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These are the things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Thanks, David. Let's give it up for him. Thanks. John 15, so we were talking about how Jesus was giving this discourse after the Last Supper. These were some of the last words that he told the disciples. And he said, abide in me. You are branches, I am the vine. Anybody witness the crazy uh, storm this week, right? And and it knocked trees down and it just came out of nowhere. I'm like, this is is wow. And branches are everywhere. And a lot of trees that you didn't know were dead or dying until that storm came. Then all of a sudden they're knocked down, branches everywhere. It's huge. Uh, On a block next to ours, a tree split in half, knocked over a light pole. The light pole fell on the car. I'm like, this is wild, man. I mean, the tree looked like it was on its last leg a little bit. But this is why it is important for us to be grafted into Jesus, in the vine, abiding with him. That means there is life in us. You know why? Because the storm is going to come. We talk about that all the time. The pandemic was just one example of a storm. There are going to be storms that come in our life. And most of the time, we can't really see exactly where we are until it comes. And then we're like, oh, man, wow, my relationship with Jesus has been dying or it is dead or it is not as vibrant as I once thought. Because when you are alive and living and green, you can actually kind of sway a little bit. You're not resistant to the wind. You're not stiffened and broken by the wind. 
in John 15, Jesus says, those that don't work, right? They're, that thump, those that come across that are dead, they're thrown into the fire. What do we do with all these branches that fail? We cut them up and throw them in the fire. That when we're connected, abiding in Jesus, passionately seeing his face before us, passionately seeing his person before us, then we understand how much he loves us. And how much we need to walk with him so that when a storm comes, we are not found broken on the ground. That our foundation is strong because it is built on Jesus. In 10, in verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. We're abiding in Jesus so we can abide in his love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So that's what Jesus is commanding. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. What are you commanding us, Jesus? He's commanding us that we love one another as he has loved us. It's amazing that that's the commandment, that we would love each other. No greater love than, than this, than to lay down one's life for one friends. I have a picture of that this week when we're, <laughs> the most crazy situation has happened so, you know, all that, that stuff is hard enough, right? And we have all the things to go on the lending side to get to close. Uh, we, we were supposed to close last Friday. And uh, we were attempting to schedule a time and then find out the seller, that's on the buyer side, and we find out the seller has done nothing to prepare at this point, right? They've just started looking for a home. He has nowhere to go. The place is not ready to close whatsoever. And this is on our close day. We've already told our landlord that we're going to be out by this time. So we begin to extend and ask for more and more time and more and more time. And we're just like, they're just stalling to let him get in his other place and then move out. But here I am with five children, me and my wife and five children, and no place to go. And we're just extending time, extending time. I'm like, okay, all right, when is this dude going to be out? Our attorney threatens him, and then they, he decides to move out and close on the same day. So we're moving out and closing on the same day. We pack up all our stuff Friday morning. We're ready. We're going there, and we're going to do the final walkthrough before we close. I got my whole family with me. All The Lotterelles took care of our kids for a little bit, and we walk over there. Nothing is moved. He's packing stuff up, but not a box is moved out there. We've been through all this stuff, and the dude has not moved anything out there. And he's like, oh, the movers are coming. They'll be here five minutes. Oh, they'll be here in 10 minutes. They'll be here in 15 minutes. Like, this is a joke right now. <laughs> and I'm supposed to go and close and hand all this money over, believing that this dude is going to be out when we come back. So we said, all right. Talk to our attorney. We still drove to the close. We're like 10 minutes away from the close, and our real estate agent who stayed back is like, okay, movers are here. 
and I got like five guys, and they're starting to carry everything out. We're like, okay, we can close in confidence in. We get there, they close, everything is good. We come back, they're still moving the dude's stuff out. The house is a mess. Like, it's filthy. It looks like it hasn't been cleaned in 10 or 15 years, right? And we're all outside with our children trying to wait till they're done so we can move in. We move in, my wife is like, I'm cleaning first. She just started, anybody knows my wife? She is, she's like, I'm cleaning first, I'm organizing first. So she starts cleaning. Two hours later, and we're bringing stuff in, and you know, the kids are just done. Kids don't have the same motor as adults. I'm like, we got this guy, man, come on, I sent out an SOS call. It's like nine o'clock at night. Peter, Matt, uh, Mason, <laughs> uh, and Hannah. Hannah came and helped us move our stuff, the rest of the stuff, out of our truck. And when I tell you that it's this verse, that no greater love, there is no. <laughs> There is no greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for their friends. It's to choose someone else when you really don't have to. And you're, I'm like, SOS. <laughs> and they come out and we get it done in like an hour or so. And it was just a beautiful picture to me. And so many others have supported and helped in so many different ways. Alyssa came by and lended her design eye to us, you know what I'm saying? She's about to be so famous, and I'll be like, yeah, she go to our church. I can go into naming and claiming when I need to. <laughs> This stuff is real, greater love has no one. And so there's so many people out there without any kind of community, convinced that we can do it by ourselves. We can't do it by ourselves. No matter how strong I am, no matter how you know encouraging I am, <laughs> my kids are sagging. <laughs> All right, let's, let's get it. So everything is not perfect, right? But when we're in community, loving each other despite our imperfections, that's what perfecting love looks like. Despite our imperfections, we truly come together and love each other and lay down our lives. And one of my favorite verses, which is in John also, in John 10, is Jesus says, the reason that God loves me. And I'm going to mention, uh, talk about it a lot, but the reason, we need to listen to this. If Jesus is saying this is the reason that God loves me. Let me go to it real quick. So this is how you got love, God to love you so much? This is the reason. In 1017, therefore my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and have power to take it up again. This command I have received from my father. The command that Jesus got from his father is that he lay down his life, not to pick it up again. What's the command that he's given us? 
greater love than this when one has to lay down their life for their friends. So God tells Jesus, lay down your life. Jesus tells us, lay down your life and don't pick it up again. It's hard because it is a vulnerable position to be in. To choose someone interest, someone else's interest over your own. To not want to press somebody down. Like I say, I love all the Black Lives Matter signs. How many people are laying down their life for black people? And I'm not talking about going to uh, um, a, uh, a protest and doing something in a moment and kicking a police barrier or doing something like that. I'm talking about every day laying down your life. I would die for you is not as powerful as I would lay down my life for you every day. I can take a risky moment. Oh, and it's over. Oh, man, he's so noble. He was so amazing. Talk about every day in marriage choosing someone over yourself. Lay down your life. Jesus said, this is the reason God loves me. I lay down my life and I don't pick it up. Because the world, the world will attempt to take things from us. But in the kingdom, they can't take nothing you already laid down. You ain't took Martin Luther King's life. You haven't taken Gandhi's life. It was laid down already. But we're so bent on holding on to our lives that we lose it. I wish there was a verse about that. Those that hold on to their lives will lose it. Those that, like a seed, if a seed but falls to the ground, it produces much fruit. We are abiding in Jesus to learn how to lay down our lives. That is it, to choose someone else. We're so competitive in this world. Black lives matter, but I'm about to fight every single person in this entrance exam so I can get in before them. We like, we don't want to do that stuff. We just want to talk about it. Like Jesus has got heat for conservatives and progressives. He's got heat for both of them. Like we, we all, it's for everybody. We all think we're like living this perfect, beautiful life. And Jesus comes in and kicks in the door like, oh, no, I'm going to tell you when you sinned. It wasn't when you did the thing, it was when you thought about it. Let me tell you what judging the nations, let me tell you what I will judge the nations on. What is God going to judge us all on? According to Matthew 25, he's going to judge us all on what we did to the poor. Everyone. The parable of the sheep and the goats is going to be sheep and it's going to be goats. And people are going to be like, Jesus, look, we did everything. Look, we had a concert. It was amazing. Everybody came. It was millions of people, God, like, who sold all these records? It was amazing. God is going to be like, I don't know you. Who are you? Because you just drove my poor people to do all this stuff. It's like, it's Amos, Amos 5. He says, 
get away the sound of your, your music and your symbols and let justice roll down like a mighty river and righteousness like a mighty stream. That God desires us to lay down our lives for each other, to not be so intent on saving ourselves that we oppress everyone in sight. And ain't nobody gonna be able to save us on that day. And Jesus says, I don't know who you are. Why don't you know who I am? Because you didn't visit me in prison. You didn't feed me. You didn't clothe me. And you could have done that with mere sense compared to you. You didn't do it. Why didn't you do it? Because it's not sexy. It's not going to get me famous. It doesn't Instagram well. All that stuff. Like, but that verse, that's why that means so much to me that it's like, we have to be laying down our lives and that's the only way we build a foundation of abiding in Jesus. We walk with him and he, he begins to call us into this edge, outer edge. In these last days, if these three remain, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love, right? How do we grow hope in our lives? It is being at the edge of hopelessness. How do we grow faith in our lives by being at the edge of the unknown? How do we grow love in our life by being at the edge of our comfort zone? We, no growth happens in the middle, right? Why do, why do old people get set in their ways? Because they're done growing. They're done like doing stuff new. It's like, I got my t-shirts right here. I got my butter here. <laughs> you know, butter and t-shirts, they go together. <laughs> I know where everything is in my house. Uh, I'm gonna go to the Florida coast and get a house. That's what I'm gonna do. And I'm just gonna be comfortable. The growth is done, right? The growth is done. But we have to always be on the outer edge of our comfort zones in order to grow. Like I said, love doesn't start until we get to the edge of our family. Then we really see what our love looks like. Jesus is like anybody can say they love somebody who loves them back. Wow. Let me give you a round of applause. You love somebody who loves you back. How do we love people that will not love us back? Don't know how to love us back? Will never give us anything back? How do we love them? And this is God always calling us to the edge to produce fruit. I'm sorry we can't produce fruit in our comfort zone. It doesn't work like that. If you know any people with green thumbs, it, it doesn't work like that. You get the best fruit by stressing, <laughs> stressing plants. You get the best wine by stressing the vines. Our love, let our love be indicative of that, our lives being laid down for one another. And not picked up when nobody is looking. Look what I'm doing. This is performative. Yeah. This is amazing. Jesus said, I'll leave my life down and I'll pick it up. Sacrifices for, for each and every one of us. And that's such a beautiful thing about community. Is we get to practice this over and over and over and over again. Oh, this temperature isn't right. Oh, I don't... 
like this. I didn't like that worship song. I don't know what this is. I don't, we're like so caught up in that in our culture. We're so far away from laying down our life. We're too busy caught up in what we like. I'm a, oh, that's, I don't know, that time I had something planned to do that. I, like, we're just like really caught up in ourselves. It's like my Netflix queue, what I have, have you know, what I'm doing. What I, we have to lay down our lives for each other in order to see the richness of the gospel come to us in our community. Love is not some weak, flimsy, emotional thing. If this is the reason that Jesus laid down his life, it is not weak, flimsy, emotional, controlled by the temperature. It is a strong, established, the very spirit of God. God is love, the very spirit of God that calls us forward into strength. You guys want to stand up? Some of the oldest and most strongest trees in the world are redwoods. You would see those trees and go, wow, they're amazing. They're so tall. You know, you got the giant sequoias. Their root system is very shallow. It doesn't go down very deep at all. But it, it's a network of roots that connect to each other. And as they connect to each other, they stand through everything. Hundreds of years, they just stand there. Because they're connected. And then we go, you know, I'm all I need. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, in, a bit of, I'm in a bit of a time. I'm deconstructing. You know, I'm doing whatever I'm doing. I'm going to take some time away. You want to take some time away from this hundred-year-old uh, forest? You want to take it's fine, people. Do what you need to do. I'm just saying that there is something about us linking our root systems together and empowered by the Holy Spirit to reach out to those who love us. Put your hand on your Father, I just thank you today that you have told us there is no place like your home, the church, Father. The church is the bride that you Die for Jesus. The church is your perfected, spotless bride that you are coming back for, God. We thank you today how much you love us, Lord Jesus, how much you passionately pursue us with everything you have. Help us to pursue you with everything that we have, not holding back for another day that will never come, but laying it all down on the line for you, Jesus. No greater love has one than this, that we would lay down our life for our friends. I think here I call everyone friend. And I thank you that I can say that I'm a friend of God. And this comfort of the Holy Spirit has come to us and loved us.